0: I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is How Story Works. Before we get started today, I want to quickly say that I will be talking about existing books and movies and TV shows throughout the run of this podcast, and there will be spoilers. I can't use the examples I want to use while tiptoeing around the possibility that someone listening might not have consumed the story that I'm discussing. If you really don't like being spoiled, head over to chipperish.com and check out the How Story Works course text list, link is in the show notes, which will list all the stories I talk about in every episode. If you want to, watch them before you listen to the podcast episodes and then join in. But just to say it, if you're serious about being a storyteller or a story appreciator, you can't be precious about spoilers. If the only thing of value a story has to offer is the surprise, that's not much, and the stories I'm going to talk about have a lot more going for them than that. That said, I'm not going to go out of my way to spoil things. I'm not a monster. But if the point I'm trying to make can only be illustrated if I give away a little bit of the plot, I've made my peace with that, and I hope that you have too. Okay, on to goals. We've been focusing on conflict lately, and that's great because it really is the fuel to the story. But there's one area of conflict that we've been casually throwing around without really looking at it too closely, and I think it's time we zoomed in for a closer look at goals. We talk about conflict as a set of mutually exclusive goals. The protagonist wants something, the antagonist wants something, and the win state for one of them means a fail state for the other. Mutually exclusive goals. It seems simple, but there are some things you need to keep in mind when building your goals. And like PGAG with Central Narrative Conflict, I use another acronym here to keep us on track with goals. As someone who has recently been through just a truckload of HR orientation meetings, I realize the acronyms can be, hmm, what's the word, mind-numbing, irritating, befuddling. Well, yes, fair enough. But in all my years of teaching, this has been the single most effective way for my students to remember the things they need to remember. So I do it. I do it with apologies, but until I find a more effective device, I'm using it. Anyway, the acronym for goals is ASPA. A-S-P-A. Let's break it down. The first A stands for active, and this is incredibly important. Remember when we were talking about active and passive protagonists in episode six, Protagonist-Antagonist, and how it's always preferable to make your protagonist active? Well, this is how you do it. You make sure that your protagonist is in active pursuit of a goal that is itself active. So what does that mean? Well, for one, it's a positive goal. By positive, I do not mean that it's a selfless, save the world kind of thing, although I guess there's nothing ruling that out. By positive, I mean that your protagonist is in active pursuit of something rather than trying to avoid something. So for instance, many times in my classes when my students are pitching their final projects, I will ask them what their character wants and they proceed to tell me what their character doesn't want. She doesn't want things to change. He doesn't want this girl to think he's a dork. She doesn't want a new job. The second you hear or think doesn't want, you gotta go back to the drawing board. But there are also ways to have passive, reactive goals that are about what the character wants, but fail to consider the action the character should take to achieve that goal. Look at the 1937 Disney movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now we know Snow White is the protagonist because her name is on the marquee, but she's passive right down to her I want song. Some day my prince will come. Bitch, please. And even when things start happening, Snow White is reactive rather than proactive. She's patiently waiting for her prince to find her, her evil stepmother sends the hunter to kill her, and Snow doesn't even beg for her life. He tells her to run, she does, she stumbles across the dwarves who give her a place to live. She's a little active here in that she, you know cleans the house for them, but then evil Queenie shows up with a poisoned apple and she accepts it. Once again, passive. She's not even like, hey, great apple, gimme. And then our protagonist is literally dead for a chunk of the movie until the prince shows up and kisses her and wakes her up. Now, I know back in 1937, we liked our women passive, but it makes for a bad movie, a bad protagonist, and a bad goal. Snow doesn't even have a goal in this movie. How is this woman the star? Terrible movie guys, just super bad. Okay, so we've covered the first A in ASPA, active. Let's move on to the S, which stands for specific. Remember above when I got the classic goal, she doesn't want things to change? Aside from being passive AF, it is also incredibly vague. She wants nothing to change? Well, the date's gonna change, her mood is gonna change, the mileage on her car is gonna change. This is why a good goal is specific. A better goal is specific with a time lock. In the movie Dodgeball, we have Peter LaFleur who has some issues with passivity as we discussed in Protagonist Antagonist. But man, you can't beat the clarity of that goal. He has to find $50,000 in 30 days in order to save his gym. The goal is to save his gym, which is both active and specific. And then on top of that, we've increased the specificity with a number he needs to hit and a time frame within which he needs to hit it. Now, you can't always put a specific number on a goal, and that's okay. But when you can, it tightens things up considerably because we can track a protagonist's progress. Remember the seven Horcruxes in the Harry Potter books? Each one a little victory, and each one more challenging and dangerous than the last. When we get to structure and start talking about escalations, this idea of collecting a number of things to achieve the goal works nicely to keep things escalating at a nice even tick. And even better, it's specific. But even without a number to hit, and without a ticking clock to add pressure, a specific goal is important let's see if we can massage the dreadfully ubiquitous, she doesn't want anything to change goal. First, let's at least putter around with the semantics. She wants things to stay the same. At least it's positive. But let's take that a little further. What specifically does she want to stay the same? Let's say it's her boyfriend. She wants her boyfriend to stay with her. Okay, But if the boyfriend isn't gone, then she's got her goal and there's no conflict there. So let's have the boyfriend skip town. Maybe he goes to a medical conference in, let's say, Paris. And when she finds out, she hops on a plane with the active, specific goal to get her Charlie back. And you've got French Kiss, which is the best romantic comedy ever. You should definitely give it a watch. It's a very specific goal from a character who likes to play it safe, who wants things to stay the same. Make it active and specific and you can work with that. All right, next in the ASPA pipeline is the P, which stands for personal. What this means is that the goal needs to be of extreme personal significance to the protagonist. Remember in episode six, when we said the protagonist should be the character with the most at stake? This is what I'm talking about. It's personal. It matters. The protagonist may want to serve Thanksgiving dinner to homeless vets at a shelter. That's both active and specific. But unless she's there on the hunt to find her father who went missing some years ago, then who cares really? She's a good person, volunteering her time, but she goes home to a warm bed and a fine life. Nothing is at stake for her. But if she's there looking for the father she believes is still alive, she believes is still out there, now it's personal. Let's go back to French Kiss and imagine that meg Ryan's character Kate wasn't the one whose fiance had skipped town to canoodle with some french floozy maybe it was her sister's fiance well that's great but it's the sister whose life is falling apart the sister who has the most at stake the sister for whom this is incredibly personal In this circumstance, Kate would be one level removed from the personal stakes, and while her sister is definitely personal to her, the situation is nowhere near personal enough. Even when it's not literally life or death, it has to feel like life or death. In French Kiss, Kate is facing the death of everything she's built her life around. This is so important to her that even though she's deathly afraid of flying, she hops on a plane to get her Charlie back that's personal well we've covered the asp in aspa now we've got one final a to get to and that's achievable a goal must be achievable within the scale of the story you're telling in order for it to work for example my screenwriting students are given a final project of 15 pages which will run about 15 minutes of screen time when it's all done During the pitching process, I had one student come to me with an Irish family saga that starts 300 years ago when the first Keneally got off the boat. Yeah. No. For a 15-minute short film, you've got about 48 hours for your conflict to start, escalate, and resolve. Nobody has time for 300 years. So depending on the story you're telling, be it a feature film, a novel, a short story, you have to think about the scale of the story and what kind of goal would be achievable within that scale. For a 15-minute story, you can rescue a dog from an abusive owner. You can't charge him with abuse, put him on trial, and get him sent to jail. That takes time. You just don't have. Another thing to consider when you're thinking about the achievable element of your goal is whether the goal is really within the power of your protagonist to achieve. Is the goal world peace? Well, good luck on both scale and power considerations. Is the goal to force someone else to do something? Unless you want to give your character something like a gun to significantly increase their power, then your character's power to achieve that goal to make someone do something is hobbled right out of the gate. And while we're talking about guns, guns are a bad idea. They're bad for stories. Unearned power is bad for stories, unless that's the specific theme you're hitting. But just want that said, we will definitely be talking about that at a later date. But back to achievability. Let's say you've got a character like Kate in French Kiss, whose active, specific and personal goal is to make her Charlie love her again. Well, that's not really achievable, not really in her power. Does that make it a bad goal? In this case, no, because she's supposed to lose, because the whole point is that she has to realize that she can't make him love her, that she can't keep her life safe and protected and color-coded all the time. Life is messy, and there are things that will be out of your power, out of your control, and you have to make your peace with that. That's the whole point of the story. And by giving Kate a goal she can't really achieve, not without pretending to be someone and something she's not, we actually heighten the whole point of the story. So, if it helps the story for your protagonist to fail in her goal, then mucking with achievability is okay, but it should be to the purpose of reinforcing the theme of that story. Remember, it doesn't matter to the integrity of the story if your protagonist wins or loses, just that the conflict is resolved one way or the other. If your protagonist is in pursuit of a faulty goal, then you've got some wiggle room with achievability. But if you want your protagonist to win, as most stories do, then you're going to want to take a good, hard look at achievability. Okay, this is a big one today, so I'm going to skip the listener question this time and let you guys out early for the day. So that'll do it for now. If you have questions you'd like me to answer on the show, email me at lonnie at or contact me on Twitter at Lonnie diane Rich or at Chipperish with the hashtag HowStoryWorks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with your friends on social media. The more the word gets out, the more podcasts I'll be able to make. Thanks so much, and I'll see you later. All right. Next in the ASPA pipeline is the P, which stands for personal. And now I want to say, which stands for pool from the, you know, the music man. A capital P that rhymes with T that stands for pool. Capital T that rhymes with P that stands for, okay, whatever. Anyway, I don't know why I'm doing this.